Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy and gift-giving. Melissa and Alan were no different. They were neighbors that had been on the rocks a couple of times before and didn't always get along. But Melissa decided that she was going to still give him a gift for Christmas. Only Alan refused. This would send Melissa into a rage. Welcome to episode one of our seven days of Christmas and Crime. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and it's great to talk to everybody again. I miss you. How is everybody doing? I'm so excited to be giving you seven days of Christmas and crime. Heads up, I still have the last three days to finish researching and writing. Um, But I do plan on staying up every night right now, getting those all done for you so we can have a full seven days of Christmas and crime. I want to end 2022 really strong and this has been always been one of my favorite things that we do on this podcast and I really don't want to not upload one of these days. So as of right now those last three are not done but I did finish reading um, one of them the other day. One's half done so I'm really so close. I just need to do it. This new medication that I am on is helping a lot of that but it's also making me um, toned down a little more. Um, I got diagnosed with ADHD and I'm on medication for the first time ever. And it's really helped my focus so much more. But I also feel like my body's going through like a crash moment where I'm just like really tired and I just want to relax all the time. Um, but I'm starting to get out of that like tiredness as I'm getting more and more used to this medication and it's really helping. So I should be able to finish those pretty easy actually. My heater also broke the other day in the in the recording studio. At least I thought it did. Um, I came out today completely bundled up, expecting it to be basically nine degrees in this studio. But it is it's it's a crisp sixty two in here, and we're feeling great. And I'm glad that it just like kicked on, and it must have just like I don't know overheated or something weird the other night. Um, but thank God it didn't break because. That would have not been a fun time for me. Anyways, I have my Pepsi here, um, and I'm ready to talk about Alan Williamson. Now, what we're doing this year for Christmas and crime is a crime, a murder, something like that happening on Christmas. So every single one of these episodes is going to be something that happened on Christmas. The last one that will be uploaded on Christmas is a much longer episode. Um, It's a more popular case, obviously, but I've always seen magazines about it and stuff like that, and I just thought that it would be a really fun one to cover, especially on Seven Days of Christmas and Crime. So I'm super excited with that. That's actually the one that I've got half done, and that's how I also know that it's going to be a long episode. So Merry Christmas, you guys. We've got a long episode on its way. Anyways, like I said, we're starting episode one off with Melissa Young and Alan Williamson. Now, Melissa Young was 37 at the time of the incident. Um, Everything I read said that she grew out of a childhood that was filled with trouble and trauma, and she had a really rough childhood. As she got older, she became more and more violent, 
and would slowly begin to fall into crime. On top of that, she would also become addicted to certain substances. There was an occasional religious mania that she would fall into, and I'm unsure if she was ever diagnosed with anything that would cause these manias, but she did fall into these quite often. Now, the next fact that I'm going to bring up, in my opinion, I feel like it has absolutely nothing to do with the case at all, but I did see this consistently in almost every single one of my sources, so I am going to bring it up, but like I said, I don't think this has anything to do with the case at all. I think it's kind of dumb that it's brought up everywhere, but Melissa was transgender. Now, if you were to do your own research on this case as well, you are going to see her dead name a lot out of respect for Melissa, even though what happened, you know, next was not good at all. I am not going to bring up her dead name. That's something that I personally feel like is, you know, a line. And even though things would happen later on with Melissa, I still don't think it's right to bring up her dead name, especially if that's something she's left in the past. So don't be shocked if you look up this case and you see a name that's not Melissa. Melissa was the name that she chose when she transitioned, and that's all that really matters. It also talks about how when Melissa was a teenager, this would cause a lot of problems. Um, She really began to understand how she felt when she was a teenager. She realized that being born in a boy's body didn't feel right. She would begin to dress in clothes that made her feel more like herself. Because of this, she would oftentimes be targeted by bullies, and she would be made fun of. On top of that, Melissa unfortunately also got beat up a lot because of the way she chose to dress. Now that's heartbreaking to me, but I also have met children and children are mean. Children are ruthless. And unfortunately, Melissa not only came from a hard household, she also had a hard upbringing with her peers because of who Melissa was, who she knew she was. Now, when Melissa was an adult, she would move into a place and gain a neighbor named Alan Williamson. Alan, interestingly enough, was actually on the sex offender registry because it sounds like he attempted to rape a woman. Now, I am unsure if Melissa knew about this fact or not. In some of the sources, I saw that they were friends, so it's entirely possible that she knew. But in others, it would talk about their relationship a lot less friendly, like they were neighbors that didn't really get along. But I can also see how they would be neighbors who would get along very well. Um, I have two neighbors in particular, and one of them I get along with great. I mean, our dogs run back and forth all day. I can stand out there and have a conversation with him all day with the kids playing, you know, jumping on the tramp. Um, I've got him on Facebook, his wife, his daughter, like I love them. Whereas with my other neighbors, we still get along and I still like them, but it's just a different, it's just different. That neighbor likes things a certain way. There's been a couple times where we've gotten into some little tiny arguments about my yard or my weeds. And so I can see how if you were to look at those two, how you would be like, oh, she's friends with that neighbor. So it's possible that Melissa had more of that kind of relationship with the neighbor where they were friends, but maybe not like besties, if that makes any sense. But I did read how there was some instances when Alan would be in Melissa's home. One in particular, Alan would be in there and Melissa would lock him inside with her. It would move on to talk about how Melissa started threatening him with a knife the entire time he was in there, and he finally resorted from jumping off of her balcony to escape from her. Now, this isn't like 
a fourth story balcony. This balcony was on the very first floor, so he basically just jumped over a railing and he was unharmed. He didn't get harmed by Melissa and he didn't get harmed from the jump because he didn't really jump off of her balcony. He jumped over the railing. It's possible that Melissa felt threatened from Alan because he was on that sex offender registry, but it's also possible that maybe she was having some sort of manic attack at the moment. Either way, for some reason or another, Melissa decided with this Christmas season coming up that she was going to drop off a present to Alan. Now, Alan, who was 47 at the time, would refuse this gift from Melissa. Now, I want you to remember, they didn't get along great. On top of that, this wasn't like a crazy gift. This was a pair of unisex trainers and a copy of the upcoming 2014 calendar that she had gotten from the Sun's newspaper. Now, it's never about the gifts, in my opinion, for Christmas, but I do feel like this is a very strange gift. And if Alan didn't really like Melissa, especially because she threatened him, I can definitely see how he would turn down this type of gift. Now, Alan didn't slam the door in her face and yell at her or anything like that. Alan simply politely refused the gift and handed it back to Melissa. Then we come to Christmas Day, December 25th, 2013. It was about half past midnight when, I'm unsure of, you know, which one is true, Melissa would either invite Alan over to her home or Alan would just happen to be walking near her. In a lot of my sources, it does sound like Alan was in her home, um, but I cannot be sure of that fact. For some reason or another, a 999 call would take place. If you are not from around there, it is also called 911 in some places. Where I'm from, we know it as 911, but where Melissa and Alan were, it was 999. Now, Melissa would actually be the one who placed this 999 call. She would inform the 999 operator that her neighbor refused to leave her flat. Then she would disconnect the call. Shortly after that first call, Melissa would stab Alan 29 times with what they believed to be a knife that they would later find on the kitchen table. Melissa would continuously stab Alan until he finally stopped moving. Once she was sure that he was dead, she would place another 999 call and inform the operators that she had stabbed him multiple times and he wasn't moving. Police were on the site in seconds. It was very clear that a murder had taken place. Not only did Melissa admit to it on the 999 call, but her hands were also covered in blood, and Alan was lying dead behind her front door. They immediately arrested Melissa. Then they would assess the scene. This is when they would find that six-inch knife that they believe Melissa used to murder Alan, and all of the blood. Now, when they began to question Melissa, it was very, very clear that she was trying to frame herself like she was mentally insane, not that she was the victim, which if you think about it, that 999 call originally makes it seem like she would be trying to frame herself. At first, she admitted that she murdered to him on grounds of abnormal team mind, which is basically insanity. Later, she would switch up her story and say that she never murdered him at all, and he was just dead in her apartment. Down the road, she would change her story again and say that there was a flash and a bright light blinded her. All the voices in her head decided to begin to talk to her, and at that point, she flipped, and that's why she stabbed him to death. 
Now, I'm not saying that this couldn't have been true, but I do have firsthand experience with somebody who was having hallucinations. And when they told me about these hallucinations, it was never like that, where a flash would happen and she would go blind and things would be yelling at her. In this situation, when they told me about it, the TV was talking to them and creatures and characters were coming out of the TV. And sometimes people were knocking at their door or they had phone calls that weren't actually real. And I do know that hallucinations can vary from person to person, but with the whole flash and then things started yelling at her, she couldn't stand it. To me, that just sounds like somebody who had never been through anything, just trying to come up with something. Now, I'm not saying that she's lying. I'm just saying in my personal experience with somebody who has experienced it and who was institutionalized for a while because of it, it doesn't sound like something that is true. She later changed her story again and began to tell them how the archangel had taken over her body and how she was just being used as an instrument by God to punish the unclean demon, the unclean demon being Alan. Then she brought up that Christmas present. She said that God told her that Alan would not have died if he would have just accepted her Christmas present. Then she wouldn't have been forced to stab him to death. Now it was clear, it was clear that Melissa was mentally unstable. So they gave her some evaluations. They did conclude that Melissa was very dangerous. She definitely had violent and dangerous outbursts. And they also claimed that she would bring up on multiple occasions herself how she was transgender, which is fine, and that on multiple different occasions, she would be asked to call a different name. One of these names that I specifically saw was Chloe. The story behind Chloe was that she was a 14-year-old who was on different prescription drugs. Chloe enjoyed inhaling things on a daily basis, like glue, gases, or pressurized aerosols. Now, I have never myself inhaled any gases like this. I have seen people who do, and I did research on what that would do to you. Somebody who inhales things like glues and gases will often be very confused afterwards. They will have slurred speech. They can have mood swings, aggression, hallucinations. They can vomit. Sometimes they have breathing difficulties, and sometimes they even pass out. At one of the places that I used to work at, we had a worker who was addicted to inhaling things. He would actually steal pressurized gases and inhale them in the bathroom. There was a lot of times where he was really confused once he left the bathroom. And the reason that we finally caught him is because he did black out as well and he was just surrounded by all of these aerosols when he was found. He obviously got fired, but you never know what can happen when you inhale those things. Now, Melissa, who claimed to be Chloe at this point, stated that she had smoked some heroin the morning before she ended up stabbing Alan. It's very clear that Melissa is trying to now make it look like she has multiple personality disorder. She's trying to do a Jacqueline and Hyde thing. And like we do with every drug, we always like to talk about what they can do to you. If you don't know what heroin is or what it can do to you, Heroin is an opiate drug that is oftentimes made from morphine. This, like many other drugs, is a natural substance that is taken and made into a drug. For heroin, they actually take it from a poppy seed, and this can come in two different colors when it's done being processed, usually white or brown, unless the person who's buying it or taking it or whatever 
um, is searching out for the black sticky tar heroin, which is processed a little bit different to give it a tar-like texture. Now you can inject, snort, or smoke heroin. Heroin will rapidly enter your brain and blind the opiate receptors in many different areas. This includes the receptors that make you feel pain, pleasure, your heart rate, your sleeping receptors, and even your breathing receptors. Short-term effects are usually a rush that heroin gives you. Then it will move on to dry mouth, flushing, a heavy feeling in the limbs, nausea, vomiting, itching, mental clouding, and nodding on and off. Long-term effects are a little more serious. Insomnia, infection of the heart lining, constipation, cramping, lung complications, mental disorders, an irregular menstrual cycle. Heroin is a very, very addictive drug and your body will also develop a tolerance to it as you use it more and more. Withdrawal symptoms can be very, very serious and that is why people usually go back to taking it. It's very possible that if Melissa was taking heroin on a daily basis or even a weekly basis, that she might have developed some sort of mental disorder that could have led her to stabbing Alan that night. Now, despite Melissa's attempts to try to act not mentally well or very mentally unstable, it was very clear to the court and the judges that she showed absolutely no remorse for what she did to Alan. She would state about how disgusted she was with her neighbors and how she wanted to kill all of them. Once this slipped from her mouth, she looked kind of shocked covered her mouth and was like, I said too much. She's also quoted in saying, the power it gave me was amazing. During the trial, one of her former bosses would come forwards and he would talk about Melissa. He informed the courts how he had to fire her because she was allegedly handing out notes to people on buses, offering to have sex with them for only $50. These people were then coming to the nightclub to have sex with her and it was causing issues. He would also go on to talk about some instances when he was over at her house, like how she liked to play with a carving knife in front of him, and she would mumble about how she was going to kill them all. He said he wasn't too worried because Melissa had said things like this all the time just to gain attention, and he assumed, at least, that this was the same case. He then brought up how Melissa had problems with other women at the job. Other women were afraid of her, and Melissa would purposely start fights. He then told the courts that he believed Melissa felt like she needed to be better than everybody. Now I'll also bring up the transgender thing again. Melissa picking fights with other women. Yes, she probably was on, you know, medication to keep her hormones at a woman's level, but she still very potentially could have had the strength of a man, or it could have just been very easy to overpower other women. She was using that to her advantage. She enjoyed being the stronger one. After only five days, they would find Melissa guilty of murder. They would give her a sentence of at least 20 years in prison before she is eligible for parole. Once she's up for parole, they will decide if she's safe enough to release or if she's even mentally stable enough to ever get out of prison. Now, during this prison stay, she would actually go on and attack another female. She would grab the hair or the ear. I'm a little unsure of which one she would grab. Either way, she'd grab the side of this woman's face. 
during free time and when the shops were open. Now, it's not like she attacked another inmate, because Melissa actually attacked an officer. She would be out trying to buy some stuff at the shops and for some reason lunge at this officer. And like I said, she would either grab her hair or her ear. And Melissa would manage to pull the officer to the ground and lay on top of her. There was a brief struggle with a lot of kicking and Melissa would get her mouth somehow onto the police officer's stomach and she would bite her hard enough to draw blood. And then later down the line, she would attack a second worker and also pin them and bite them so hard she began to draw blood. Melissa is still serving prison time to this day. She's never been given another chance to give another gift to anybody, and probably for a good reason. What would happen if somebody turned down another gift from Melissa? Do you think somebody would die again? It really makes you guess who you're accepting gifts from and who you're turning down. Be careful this Christmas season, you guys. You wouldn't want to be the one being stabbed to death. There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.